With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Oh, yes. Hello, my friends, and welcome to this, another edition of the Underdog Football Show. My name is Josh Norris. His name is Hayden Winks. We've recapped the games. We will preview round two of the playoffs on Thursday. But today, Hayden, what we realized and what I found out was that once all these teams, the vast majority of the league is done with the regular season, they start leaking everything from their building over to Mike Garofolo, Ian Rappaport, Adam Schefter, Jay Glazer, Tom Pelissero, and everyone in between. Let's catch up everyone on the news that they need to know because really the offseason has started now. It's true. I was looking. When do you think Matthew Stafford was traded last year? Date? January. Yeah, January like 30th. So yeah. like the offseason happens, I feel like, earlier than when what we think. We think we're like, oh, we'll get through the Super Bowl and then we'll get over it. No, like Russell Wilson, Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, like there's a potential that they are on a new team like tomorrow. It's like pretty crazy how how crazy just like the NFL offseason is. It's like all year round now, like right. no days off. And we anticipate some names being linked here. Some are already coming out in terms of like Derek Carr and Russell Wilson. We've even talked about, you know, Deshaun Watson. We'll get to that later. Aaron Rodgers. And heck, one of the best receivers in the league, Calvin Ridley, is 100% changing teams. So I'm excited to talk about all of that here today. So how the show is going to go. We're going to pull up some headlines, some news items from NFL.com, some videos, some audio, all that kind of stuff. So we're citing where this information is coming from and just have a quick discussion on each one. Because again, this is the first show really of an entire off season of content. I think the best place to start though is with Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks because Russ doesn't want to frame it as a potential trade, Hayden, but he is quote, evaluating his options. According to Ian Rappaport, Russell Wilson has not demanded a trade, and it's not clear if he will. But at the very least, those close to Russell Wilson, this is a quote, he wants to investigate other destinations to see if those would put him in a better position to win another championship and create the legacy he sees for himself. Deja vu all over again. It is basically the same report as last year. The four teams that he mentioned last year, just as a reminder, the Dolphins, Jets, Saints, and Raiders. We know at least three of those teams have commitments to their quarterback. Wait a minute. They're I had a different list teams. of teams. I had a different list of teams. What were your teams? That, that's so funny. I mean, and maybe this is just where the root of the information stems from. I thought the teams that he preferred, 
were the Cowboys, the Saints, the Raiders, and the Bears. So we have some overlap there, but we can talk about each and every single one of them. So go through your list. Well, I mean, the Dolphins, Tua, Jets, they got their guy. Um, Derek Carr could get traded, but I don't think that they would do a swap or anything like that. The Saints don't have enough money. But even even just removing all of that, we have Garofolo who said that the Seahawks have uh, no plans to trade uh, Wilson this offseason. They're yep. proceeding as if they're court- that he's going to be the quarterback. They have not made any changes with uh, Pete Carroll or anything like that. Chris Mortensen came out and said that uh, he's expressed a desire to, to finish in Seattle. He has a no trade clause, but of course his name will be in play for everyone to, to discuss because the, that's the new frontier real or not. So I'm guessing that he's going to stay. I think that he's going to make a big fuss out of it again. But the reality is when you're looking at the contract, it's not that easy of a contract to get rid of. If he does get traded, it would come with $26 million in dead money, only $11 million in cap savings for the Seahawks. And they just basically kind of went all in with the Jamal Adams deal. Like they lost their first round pick. So they would be kind of caught in between rebuilding and, and trying to win. Keep in mind, Pete Carroll is 71 years old. I'm sure he's not right. trying to get through another <laughs> rebuild. So I think that Russ is just going to do the same thing and make a big deal about this. And ultimately he's probably going to return. And this coincides with maybe some uncertainty around John Schneider and Pete Carroll, the general manager and head coach of the team. As you outlined, Pete Carroll is going to turn 71 years old, which is crazy to think about. I think he might be the oldest head coach in the NFL at this point. And they both had their end of year meeting. This is a, according to Chris Mortensen with current owner Jody Allen, but there was no talk of them even leaving. And Pete Carroll on the tail end of, This meeting said, quote, we've got the nucleus of a championship right here, and we're going to try to keep that together. That starts and ends with the quarterback. Now, I also think part of this conversation more so in the present than in the past is reliant on if the quarterback wants to be there or not. Like these players are forcing teams hands more so than I feel like they ever have across the league. And so like if Russell Wilson doesn't want to play in Seattle. I think like there is an avenue because last year, Rap Sheet even mentioned this in his column. There were heavy, heavy discussions with a huge potential trade with Chicago Bears, but it kind of just fizzled out and never went complete completion through. Yeah. The problem though is like the contract, it's not like $26 million in dead money to get rid of Russell Wilson. Like they would have to get a mega offer to make that happen. And like kind of like the Aaron Rodgers situation, like last year, there was not that much leverage that Aaron Rodgers actually had because of the contract. If, the, if he didn't want to play, he would be forfeiting like $40 million. That's basically what's at play for Russell Wilson. I think that Russell Wilson cares about his legacy so much that he's going to want to play. So I think the time to trade Russell Wilson would probably be like next year if they were going to do it and try to go one more year with this. But I don't know. It seems like he wants his name and being circulated for right or wrong. And I think we're going to hear about it for the next month. And then he's going to come out and say, I'm back. And then we're going to like go with uh, Russell Wilson, uh, DK Metcalf and Tyra Lockett stacks again. Russ is kind of funny. The person, when you think about it, where a couple years ago, I was at the Super Bowl in Miami. He was doing the media circuit and it was when Patrick Mahomes, you know, made his first Super Bowl. And (laughs) He was just going on every single show because he was being shopped around because of, he, you know, he was carrying a sponsor there. And every single show he went on, he's like, oh, man, they get to throw on first down, second down and third down from the first quarter, second quarter, third quarter and fourth quarter. I'd love to be doing that. 
And then since then, you know, he's had a new offensive coordinator and things really like haven't changed all that much, I guess, from that perspective or from a success rate standpoint. I mean, the middle portion of his season this year was brutal when he came back from injury. It was it was awful. So like, again, this is one of those things where Russ is not the type, I think, because of legacy and that word that we keep using. He doesn't want to outwardly say, like, I'm out of here. I'm leaving cause of fuss. But no player out there just goes and produces four teams that I'm open to be trading for if you want to trade me publicly. No one. And it's been almost like every single offseason we've gotten something here for, for Russ. It's like an ultimatum of do this or, you know, I'm not happy. And remember, there's all those like the Legion of Boom guys like. There's a bunch of reports that came out that were pretty suspect about Russell. So, yeah, I think ultimately he's going to be back, and I think we should treat it as such until proven otherwise. Okay. Continue down the quarterback path. Derek Carr's future is apparently tied to the next head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. There's a recent post here by Ian Rappaport, but actually the post was launched and published prior to the team's first playoff game, which is – uh. Pretty hilarious when you think about the timing of it. But in this report, Rap Sheet, again, just basically states that Derek Carr's future with the team that drafted him, who he's been starting for for years and years and years, will be made up and decided by who the next coaching hire is. And if we can tail on to that, Jay Glazer keeps reporting that the Raiders want to make a big whale or big fish splash hire coming up. And that's certainly not the player that or, or the coach that Derek Carr has put his name behind in Rich Passaccia. Yeah, he straight up said he wants Rich Passaccia back. And now this contract is extremely tradable. In fact, if they were to trade Derek Carr, it would come with zero dollars in dead money and it would save them 19 million dollars against the cap. So if the Raiders are serious and they want to completely reset new GM, new head coach, all the cap space in the world and fully reset, this would be the offseason to do it. Uh, we already had Ian Rappaport say that this was uh, what could happen. It sounds like Derek Carr wants an extension. He has one year left on his deal, and I think that he's definitely earned an extension. If you look at how much money he was making this year compared to some of the other top quarterbacks, like not even comparable, he's due for an extension. If the Raiders are kind of been one foot in, one foot out with them, like remember the Tom Brady, there were links to the Raiders with with Tom Brady when he was a oh, yeah. a free agent too, and like that was in the middle when Derek Carr was having a top fifteen ish type of season as well. So I think that there is a chance that Derek Carr says enough already. It's been eight years. I can't get any help around me. It's been a freaking disaster from ownership, front office, head coach, the skill guys. My offensive line now stinks because they decided to trade everybody. And Derek Carr says, "Screw you guys. I want to go somewhere else." So I can see this one. And if I were like a team like the Browns or the Steelers, the maybe Saints. the Saints. If I'm a team that I just need a freaking quarterback, Derek Carr is the guy that I would be going after. He seems like he's the one that is definitely open to going elsewhere. And I think that the Raiders can be convinced. You throw enough uh, draft picks at them that this is the time to fully reset. It's like, be honest, like that roster is just not very good. Even next year, if Derek Carr comes back, they're not going to be a very good team. Yeah, there's a lot to go through with Derek Carr if he stays on the Raiders because they lost his number one target. Though, like the player in Henry Ruggs who was making a difference for that team deep, deep down the field and really transformed who Derek Carr had been for the first, what, five years of his career. In these past two years, he like took one step forward and then a giant leap forward this year in terms of his aggression and his ability to test vertically. Like you said, their stability has like been non existent for years. And like, 
him putting his name behind Rich Passaccia, it's all in the name of stability, right? Like I know that Mike Silver, who writes for Bally's now, talked to one source on that team that said, well, the reason why this team played so much better in the second half of the season is because John Gruden wasn't grinding our gears. Like he, he wasn't driving us into the ground. We weren't getting yelled at over and over and over. We had Bisaccia who liked us as a person. And I mean, when you line up all of the things that they went through, we talked about it just yesterday. It's pretty amazing that Bisaccia was able to step in here and do all of this. Now the name that is being floated constantly. And in fact, right before we went live, Stuart Mandel pointed out that according to Bruce Feldman, sources inside Michigan football believe Jim Harbaugh would take the head coaching job if offered. Big Damn. fish, big whale, splash hire, which the Raiders have done both at GM and head coach in recent years. But it just certainly seems like Mr. Davis wants to accomplish that and check that off his mark before he moves on for the rest of the offseason, first of all. I saw Benjamin Albright also tweeted, if Harbaugh goes there, maybe Vic Fangio would also go over there. Now it would be like the... the uh, focal point, and then you have Vic Fangio to kind of help him along there. Uh, in that Ian Rappaport uh, re- report, there was three teams that were listed. The Saints, the Texans, as and the Colts mm. as like the top teams, but he said Texans. also... Yeah, I know, the freaking... <laughs> could you imagine? Uh, <laughs> and, but he said that there, that more teams would be interested if he does truly become available. I, I mean, the Browns, Washington... The Steelers, like those type of teams, I think would be more suitable than the freaking Texans. Um, but yeah, once again, this is a contract that is tradable. I think that's the difference between Russell Wilson and Derek Carr is Derek Carr's contract is tradable. And the Raiders like legitimately, this is like the time where they've cleaned house that they can actually reset. I think that the Seahawks are like holding on for at least one more year. And I do feel that in his history, maybe I'm just imagining this, Derek Carr has been extremely loyal to Oakland and now Vegas, like just this franchise in general that he doesn't want to leave. I think he said that multiple times. He said he would retire. Yeah, yeah. I think something changes this offseason based on just how the hiring situation seems to be going and how they have their eyes on another quarterback, which is wild to think about when uh, he's had his best season ever as a professional. Okay. Let's now turn our attention to the Atlanta Falcons and namely Calvin Ridley. Mike Garofolo had an interesting report. I'll play it right now. At some point, the Falcons, yeah, are going to have to get in touch with him, have some conversations with that camp to figure out if it's feasible, whether he could come back. Now, our colleague here at NFL Network, Steve Weish, mentioned recently in a radio interview that there's a possibility that both sides could be looking for a fresh start at some point. I agree with Weish on that one. I do believe that a fresh start could be in the cards and maybe the best thing for Ridley. It's not a uh, situation where he has any ill will toward the organization. There's just some personal things it sounds like it's going on and maybe uh, a new location for him would be a good thing. So my educated prediction right now, D. Hall, This is a prediction. It's not a report, but it's educated, is that Calvin Ridley is elsewhere for the 2022 regular season, but we'll see how it plays out. Okay. That was a lot of words that said a few things, but not that much. It kind of feels like Garofalo knows more than he wants to say, or he's allowed to say. Let's put it that way. We all know what happened this year with Calvin Ridley. He missed a vast majority of the season. I remember when they were playing in London, it came out that morning that he just wasn't active. He, he wasn't going to play. Obviously, it was mental health reasons. And the quote that stood out to me, what he just said was, 
personal things going on and location change might help that. Don't want to, you know, suggest anything there, but that he doesn't have ill will towards the Falcons, but it's mainly just something going on in that area. All signs point to Calvin Ridley at 27 years of age, a extremely good talent being traded to another team this offseason. Yeah, and Steve Weiss doesn't mess around either. Like when he talks, like I'm definitely listening. In that report, Garofalo said that there hasn't been a lot of communication. That was another big piece that I thought was kind of interesting. So um, I believe it when you look at the contract. Once again, like this is like the big thing. There'll all be a, there, there'll be some reports out there, and then you look at the contract, and the contract makes no sense to be traded. Calvin Ridley's contract is one that could be traded. If he is traded, zero dollars in dead money for the Falcons, and they would save eleven million dollars against the cap. Keep in mind, this Falcons team is in cap hell still, at least for one more year. I wouldn't love to trade Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley in back-to-back offseasons, but if you are going to basically reset in year three with these two, and this was the plan all along is to use Matt Ryan for the first two years, then reset in quarterback in 2023, get Kyle Pitts there and clear out the cap, this would make some sense. I don't know what is going on behind uh, closed doors. I hope Calvin Ridley is okay and getting the help he he needs but it does seem like right now that the help that he kind of wants at least publicly is now being on another team so it's one to one to monitor i think that if i had to guess i think i would guess that he's out of there yeah different location uh he is was a older prospect coming out i think that's what a lot of people held against him as a first round selection what he's proven in the nfl is undebatable though He's an extremely, extremely talented wide receiver that this year we were hoping to see him as a true wide receiver one, right? Without the likes of Julio Jones. Heck, in 2020, he led the NFL in 20-plus yard receptions. I felt like, and we can kind of tie this over to Matt Ryan too, like this was going to be the nucleus of the team after they bypassed the likes of, you know, Justin Fields and Mac Jones when they had the number four overall selection. And Chris Mortensen reports that Matt Ryan is sticking around with Arthur Smith and company in the Atlanta Falcons. And without Ridley, you're starting kind of from scratch at that spot, other than obviously Kyle Pitts, who isn't the same type of player here. Like that one, two dynamic between the two would be one of the most special in the league, I felt, because they can win in so many different ways, especially when you isolate Pitts on the outside, Ridley in the slot or on the opposite wing. And now... There's a lot of work, a lot of work the Falcons would have to do to replace that. Yeah, last offseason, the Falcons had a decision. Were they just going to let Matt Ryan's contract just kind of cook and get out of it? They decided to extend him. By doing that, they locked up a lot of money. Looking at Matt Ryan's contract, if he were to get traded, it would come with $40 million in dead money and only $8 million in cap savings, which basically says he's not getting traded. It seems like Arthur Blank liked Matt Ryan. It seems like both. Terry Fontenot and uh, Arthur Blank and uh, Arthur Smith, I meant. Uh, everybody seemed like they wanted Matt Ryan back. He's going to be the quarterback of this team one more year. Then they're going to reset after that. And I think right now, like, the big thing is, like, I mean, where's Kyle Pitts going to be drafted in fantasy next year? Like, if no Calvin Ridley for the entire season and you get another year of him, man, I don't know. He's going to be drafted pretty high. I think that Matt Ryan still has a little bit of ball left. Like, he's not a top 10 quarterback anymore, but I still think he's probably a top 20 guy. A change of scenery has done many players well. Uh, Where do you think, question time, the Falcons offense, passing offense, offense finished in DVOA this season? Oh, 20th? 25th. 
Yeah. 25th. Rushing offense of 31st. Uh, Total offense of 28th. I mean, we can point to the offensive line. We can, but that's even with like CPAT being one of the breakout players of the season. Cal Pitts breaking records, you know, like that's pretty astonishing when you hire an offensive minded coach and that's, that's what the result is. Yeah. As you outlined, Calvin Ridley's on his fifth year option. One of the best, best wide receivers in the league who has been forgotten about at this point. When we do our 2022 ADP for best ball, uh, I'm going to be very fascinated to see where his ADP is in relation. Cause again, all these other breakout wide receivers happened and we've all just kind of forgotten about him. Number one destination for you. I'm going to put you on the spot. What would you say? I mean, not for his fantasy purposes, but I would like to see Mac Jones with the number one. I think that's like the the thing I can see. He's from the Miami area. The Dolphins have a ton of cap space. If they are all in on Tua and they just need to flood him with weapons, I can see him going to Miami as well. Um, but yeah, as for fantasy, I have him. I'm not going to tell you where because we're going to have a podcast about this, but I have Calvin really 14 spots ahead of ADP currently. I, I want to get back in. He's just so good. That's exactly the type of move the the Patriots should make because we know the history of Bill Belichick drafting wide receivers. So if you can just trade your, I don't know, first round pick for one, that'd be amazing. And by the way, I think some local beat writers have reported this for years that the Patriots selected in 2018, the year he was a rookie at 23rd overall. And that selection was between Isaiah Wynn and Calvin Ridley. Calvin Ridley ended up going 26. So I'm sure the, you know, pre-draft evaluation for Ridley was very, very high there in New England. Okay. Next up, we covered Matt Ryan. Let's jump on over to a team that's playing this weekend in the San Francisco 49ers, despite Jimmy Garoppolo, and this report was made prior to this contest, Rap Sheet, Mike Garofolo, all stating that the 49ers are committed to Trey Lance in 2022. Yeah, and I think this is another one where the contract makes sense for Jimmy G. If they trade him, they'll save almost $26 million in cap space, only $1.5 million in dead money. It's, I mean, unless they won the Super Bowl, like maybe that's like the asterisk. If they won the Super Bowl, then maybe Jimmy G sticks around. But I think that Jimmy G has earned a starting spot. I think that there will be some teams like maybe the Denver Broncos or someone, the Houston Texans, one of those types of teams uh, that would be willing to flip a couple day two picks or something like that for Jimmy G. And it just makes sense. I mean, you, you can't go all in on Trey Lance and then not commit to him. It's one thing if like Trey Lance fell to them at like 15th overall, then you can play this game, but you can't trade three first round picks and go two years without playing him, especially since it was already a year or two since he was playing even before that. Let's hear the full report, by the way. Thanks, Kurt. Jimmy Garoppolo starts for the San Francisco 49ers today. He's going to be playing through pain on that torn ligament in his thumb. They need surgery after the season. But what about the offseason? That really is where it gets interesting. My understanding is the 49ers are still committed to first-round pick Trey Lance as their starter moving forward, which means they're expected to explore trade options for Garoppolo. And for his part, he really seems to be soaking it in and savoring this moment. Don't take my word for it. Garoppolo actually told MMQB earlier in the week that he thought before last game, quote, this could be it. Expect the same thoughts, Tom, today from Garoppolo. Okay. We're all caught up there. I feel Jimmy is going to be the quarterback that is maybe the first priority for teams that are on the outside looking in of the entire quarterback carousel, yep. especially when a name like 
Aaron Rodgers probably isn't going to be on the market this offseason when we went into it thinking he would be. You can easily make the case if you are one of these front offices that Jimmy is a starting caliber quarterback for your franchise to trade for. We've seen it. Worse arguments be made for far worse quarterbacks, i.e. Yeah. Sam Darnold this past year. Like I could easily see the Panthers trading for Jimmy Garoppolo. Oh, yeah, for sure. What about like the Browns? Could you see the Browns or would that be too yes. much of a lateral move? No, yeah. I could totally I think, see I think, that. I think he's slightly better than Baker Mayfield. But yeah, I think like that's the it's dead on. He is the bridge quarterback, the the nicest, sexiest bridge quarterback on the market. If you can't get Kirk Cousins or Derek Carr. So I would I would have. Carr and Cousins above Jimmy G, but it seems like Jimmy G is for sure gone. Those other two quarterbacks, you have to convince their teams. It's going to be interesting what Jimmy G's trade offers look like because every team knows that Jimmy G is gone. They can't keep him around. That contract is too big. So like you wouldn't just throw like a first round pick to the 49ers. You know that they have to get uh, to unleash him. So I think it'll be interesting, but yeah, I can see the Texans, Broncos, Panthers, whoever, is missing out on their quarterback, Jimmy G is going to be the guy. Let's rewind a few months right after Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch made this trade because Lundar in the chat brings us up. How much does Jimmy G's injury history ultimately hurt his trade value? Guy is always dinged up slash hurt. Well, if you remember back to that first Kyle Shanahan press conference, uh, he basically put Jimmy Garoppolo six feet under. You remember? He said like, well, who's to say that any of us are going to be alive on Monday even? Then kind of, drew that back, pulled that back a little bit on his second outing in front of the media and said, well, really the reason we're making this deal, if you read between the tea leaves, read between the lines, it's because Jimmy just can't stay healthy. Like he liked Jimmy as his quarterback, but it was all based on like missing, I don't know, 20 of the last 32 games. And like, you just can't build your organization around a quarterback. That's not out there. He missed some games this year. He missed some snaps and yes, he's banged up as we hit the playoffs here, but this is the healthiest he's been in a while, Hayden. And so while I think like that was an easy designation and thing to say of why Kyle didn't want Jimmy or was going to move on from Jimmy, I think it's beyond that now where to me, if Kyle Shanahan, and this is going to be a huge offseason storyline, can pull the consistency out of Trey Lance to hit the easy stuff that Jimmy does over the middle of the field inside the rhythm and structure of the offense, it's always going to go back to the enticing nature that Trey Lance brings to the table with the skills outside of the confines of the play call and the situation to elevate the team when everything is doesn't go perfectly around you. That to me is still the reason why they're pivoting over here, despite winning so much this year. I think it's something that's going to be in the back of GM's minds trading for Jimmy G, the injury history. But at the same time, like he, he didn't like elevate this team to the Super Bowl. We're talking about a Super Bowl appearance quarterback. Another great season statistically for Jimmy G. We can debate how much that falls on him versus the play calling and playmakers and all that stuff. But this is a competent quarterback. And it's just kind of hard to find competent quarterbacks. Even if he is like the 20th quarterback in the NFL, the 25th quarterback, that's still much better and more intriguing than a lot of these guys. So and the other thing is like, Jimmy G, like he does have an injury history. Like truthfully, like how predictive do you think that is? Like, is there something right. about Jimmy G's like playing style where you're like, man, this guy is just not taking care of himself? It seems like pretty fluky. Like he ran out of bounds the one time he gets yep. hit on his thumb. Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like he's not doesn't have higher odds of getting hurt than most of other quarterbacks. So I think it's something that will be discussed. And I think that it does matter 
but it seems like that would be on the back. Like if you are a GM and you don't have a quarterback, I don't care about Jimmy G's history. Like I need a guy. He'll be my guy. I think that's how, how it's going to end up happening. Is it one of these cases where he, there's nothing he could have done this season to earn an extra season as the 49ers. I mean, again, this report Win was made prior. Yeah. Prior to them beating the Cowboys. Maybe if they go on and win two, three more here. Yeah. Does that change things? I think it's an win, unanswerable question. I think win a Super Bowl is the asterisk. Yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll get there if we get there. Okay. So it sounds like the 49ers and some of the other teams we talked about have a plan at the quarterback position heading into it. Apparently, Hayden, so do the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm not sure if the plan sounds so great, though. Terrible. Um, <laughs> I think that's an easy statement to make here at the top. From Ian Rappaport, once again, the Steelers have quarterback Mason Rudolph under contract for another year thanks to an extension that gave him an extra $5 million in new money. Dwayne Haskins, the former first rounder who signed for the minimum in Pittsburgh before the season will be a restricted free agent. This is all a quote. Both quarterbacks are expected to be able to compete for the starting job in 2022. With Mason Rudolph spending his entire career biding his time. Thanks rap sheet waiting and Haskins emerging as someone who caught the eye of coach Mike Tomlin. The team is also likely to add a quarterback in the draft. So this one is the one I'm not buying the reports. The Steelers have the ninth most cap space in the NFL, and that doesn't include some of the um, like Drew Brees retirement path that they're probably going to have Big Ben on where they kind of push some of this money back. They have cap space to go after one of these veteran guys, and this defense is so good, and they have a couple good skill guys that you would think that they would want to just like if they can whip up Derek Carr I don't see why they wouldn't go that route so the the name that they keep throwing out there is if Kenny Pickett falls and that's kind of the area and I don't know anything about these these uh incoming rookie quarterbacks yet but it seems like Kenny Pickett might be the QB one but doesn't seem like there's gonna be a top five guy so if the Steelers uh want to go that route it's a guy from Pittsburgh that whole thing I guess that makes sense but like Going into the offseason, like with Mason Rudolph as the quarterback one, like that is not going to happen. Like they would trade for Jimmy G before they get uh, Mason Rudolph. And like Dwayne Haskins, like, please, like they they didn't even give Dwayne Haskins the QB2 job. Like he's not the future there either. So I, I think it's either Kenny Pickett or a veteran. It's not Mason Rudolph. Come on. They've seen what four years of Mason Rudolph now in a in a backup role. And there is not one time when he has stepped into that starting lineup, and there's been a handful over the last few years where he has shown that like, Oh, this is the younger quarterback that we drafted for the twilight years of our veteran that we should turn to it. Absolutely not. In fact, I would much more want them to go after like a Jameis Winston to, because I mean, coming off an ACL injury, most likely smaller money showed enough to me that like, I, I know that their cap situation heading into this year was to the point where they really couldn't have upgraded the backup quarterback spot or quote unquote pushing Ben Roethlisberger. But when I view it like, man, Jameis Winston, someone even at that level would be such a huge boost to the likes of Deontay Johnson, to the likes of Chase Claypool, to the likes of Pat Fryermuth. I'd get really excited for it. Yeah. Why not Kirk Cousins or Derek Carr? Like, you're the freaking Steelers. You got a good defense. Like, go figure it out. Like, this team's yeah. like built to to compete. Yeah, I mean, this he was he was definitely taking shots at Big Ben out the door. Yeah, Mason Rudolph said it's going to be nice moving forward, not worrying about stepping on toes. Uh, ben Roethlisberger is one of the 
athletes who loves to block people on Twitter, 100%. Mason Rudolph doesn't show up on his social medias anymore. Do you think Big Ben blocked me after that one tweet? I bet he did. I'm going to go search <laughs> that now. I'll figure it out. Of his passing chart? Probably. Yeah. Probably. I mean, Dwayne Haskins, too. Like, that preseason performance. I'm not blocked. I'm one of the only people on the planet not blocked by Big Ben. Congratulations. Yeah. I don't know. The, the Steelers organization, Mike Tomlin does an incredible job getting his team ready and, like, winning – in the small details of games that allows them to like come out on top in those two to three, you know, snaps that change the outcome of contests, right? Like they play close games, I think really because of Mike Tomlin. But you want to get back to like maximizing all this exciting you know, performers that you invested so much in. It has to be, it has to be an upgrade off of Mason Rudolph and, and it will be freaking Dwayne Haskins. It will be. Don't worry. That report was, that was the, the BS report of the week. Okay. Well, this can't be a BS report because we have directly from GM Chris Ballard's mouth the future of Carson Wentz after the spiraling, the disastrous end of the season for the Indianapolis Colts. We, when we, when we made the decision after Philip retired and we made the decision to, to make a move on Carson, um, at the time of the decision, we felt good about it. And I still don't regret Uh-oh. the decision at the time. Um, I'm not going to just sitting here today, just so y'all know, I won't, I won't make a comment on who's going to be here, going to be here next year. That's not fair. That's not fair to any player. Um, I thought Carson did some good things and there's a lot of things that he needs to do better. Okay. A little how the sausage is made here in the NFL media circles as well. Uh, I'm sure Mike Wells is a great, great beat writer, but him also tweeting just the at the time we felt it was the right decision and then leaving out the statement that Chris Ballard said, and I would still do it again, made this tweet from a press conference a little more sensationalized than I thought it was coming out of the delivery and the mouth of the general manager in Chris Ballard. If you just hear to me what he said and how he delivered it, I truly feel like Carson Wentz is back as a starting quarterback for the Colts. You might disagree. Yeah, I, I think that it's most likely going to be that. I think they're going to explore their options. But I think that Chris Ballard handled this appropriately. He's not going to say, oh, we regretted c- trading for Carson Wentz. He's under contract for next year, and you traded a first-round pick for him. Like, you yeah, you went in. Like, yeah, you, you're not hiding from that. And you can't say that, oh, we're definitely looking at other options. It, like, you can't say that either. So, like, he just said, yeah, there's no promises with anything. We went for it, and we'll live with the consequences of it. Uh, as for Carson Wentz, if they do trade him, uh, $0 in dead money, they would save $28 million against the cap. The problem, though, is any team taking on Carson Wentz is not going to want to pay him $28 million. This would be one of the situations, kind of like Jared Goff or something like that, and it would look really bad after just trading a first-round pick. So I think <laughs> it would have to be super desperate. Like, if they got Derek Carr on the low or something like that where it was a noticeable upgrade, then sure, you just say, nobody look. Nobody do the math on this Carson Wentz stuff, but I think most likely he's going to be back for one more year. Hmm. Sunk cost fallacy, basically. Full Carson Wentz experience we got this season as well. Like, started off brutally for that offense. Uh, middle stretch was really, really nice. Remember we coined the term, the term uh, trebuchet because how he doesn't move his feet and he unleashes it with his hips and his long throwing motion. That came to back to bite you in the uh, second half of the season, the final few games, um, and then obviously that final 
final loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars. What they need to do, I think what's going to happen is they're probably going to commit to Carson Wentz for one more year. They need more weapons. Like Jonathan Taylor's amazing. Michael Pittman is like kind of on the wide receiver one, wide receiver two border, but it can't be T.Y. Hilton and Paris Campbell and Zach Pascal. Like all in like the tight end group, it's just like they need like a dude. Like they, they need freaking Calvin Ridley. You know, like yeah. I think that's probably the best thing is like, all right, we know Carson Wentz is going to make some mistakes, but at least let's get a little bit more pop and passing game for him. I, I will say to that point, like they have such an identity in offense. Jonathan Taylor, the offensive line. If you want to throw Mike, Michael Pittman in there, you can as well. That really, the quarterback should not be limiting mistakes. Like he he should not be having mistakes. He should be limiting them in order for them to be successful. Like at the bare minimum. But then that's just like Carson Wentz's DNA. Like that's just who who he is. That if you put too much on his shoulders, it's going to be so high variance at times that you're not so sure. They, you know, the seven game winning streak, whatever they went on after that second Titans loss, incredible incredible stretch but then once like the rhythm the juices don't get flowing early on in a game and then you again go back to Carson to start everything up and he's having one of those bad contests it's just it's not going to happen for you yeah not going to happen for you okay we cover the Colts let's jump to the Bengals excuse me let's jump to the Browns Baker Mayfield and the Browns are moving forward together, according to Ian Rappaport. Quote, plenty of scenarios have been rumored, including Mayfield wanting to move on and the Browns wanting to move on. Barring a dramatic shift, it doesn't appear either development is on the horizon. Is this just conversation here as we sit here on when this report was made on January 9th? Or are you taking some semblance of fact out of this hate. I'm kind of conflicted on this one. Just looking at the contract, extremely tradable contract for Baker Mayfield. I can almost promise you that Kevin Stefanski is looking for oh, yeah. an upgrade. Same with this front office. Like they are not going to just like chill with like the 25th best quarterback in the league when the rest of their rosters is ready to compete. I think this is like Kirk cousins and Derek Carr territory. Um, we have obviously with Kirk cousins, the connection, to Kevin Stefanski, both together in Minnesota. That's the move I would be looking to make if I was the Broncos, if I couldn't get a Russell Wilson like that. Like, I think something reasonable is to go all in in the next two years with Kirk Cousins. Um, but I think that the big thing, and I just don't know all the details with this yet, is the four-month recovery from his surgery. I think that's going to get a little bit in the way of how do you value Baker Mayfield if you're trading him with teams not fully certain on that. So I think that would be the one thing, but I think that the Browns could be saving face. Yeah, we're, we're chill with Baker Mayfield. Let's get him in front of another commercial. And then on the back end, all of a sudden Kirk cousins available. We're all in. And then we just said like, yeah, that was sweet. They needed the quarterback upgrade and they did it. Is it too negative to say that the way that Baker played this season, along with the shoulder injury that he's out for four months might make it to the point like no team really wants to trade for him. Like if they do upgrade over top of him, they would still have to have him on the roster. Do you think that's a potential here too? I think some team will trade for Baker Mayfield. Like, because I think he was abysmal this season. I know a lot of it probably had to do with how he was banged up all season long. You know my thoughts on Baker though. Like, there's there's some GM that was like could kind of see it. Like he's better than like. I mean, to me, he's like Jameis Winston level. Like, I think that's kind of the tier, like the Carson Wentz tier. Um, I think Jimmy G is a little bit better, but like, 
some team will go it like it's helping Baker Mayfield out that this quarterback class apparently is not very good and there might not be, be many first round uh, evaluations on the quarterbacks. So I think that there, there will be a team or two that would be interested if the Browns got super aggressive. You outlined it very well, though, where Kevin Stefanski, as forward thinking as he is, how he's had success with other quarterbacks in the past and other offenses and other teams is not going to settle for what he saw this season. Like, no way. They have five good offensive linemen. They have two, some might even say three great running backs. They don't have any wide receivers, you know, but they have some really good defensive pieces that they've invested a lot in. He knows that what is holding them back more so than anything else is a quarterback that can match the other side throw for throw, who also doesn't just make mistakes for absolutely no reason. Like that's another part here. Baker plays mistake heavy football. Sloppy. Heavy football. He's yeah. sloppy because he thinks he has one of the strongest arms in the NFL and he can make these tight window throws offside outside of structure. And he just can't, yeah. he can't do it. So Stefanski and then plus Andrew Barry on top of that, like Barry knows he knows windows to win in the NFL are real. And the Browns are in one of theirs right now. I truly feel like from a one to 53 or however long the rosters are in the NFL right now, the Browns probably have one of the better ones. They have deficiencies at some spots, wide receiver, as we just outlined. But where their strengths are, they are strong. Yeah, if Baker returns, they need to get super aggressive at wide receiver. Like the Jarvis Landry and Rashard Higgins and none of the people's Jones, that is just like not good enough. They need to like a true number one. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. I, I'm not fully buying that he's back. but I think that probably if I had to guess, he is but I'm like certainly not ruling out like a really aggressive trade. So we've talked about some quarterback situations that are a bit unsettled at the start of the show. Now we're in the portion where teams are really solidifying their quarterback spot and by their moves, the Miami dolphins also by reports have solidified that their future, at least for 2022 lies with Tua Tunga Bailoa. You and I both jump to this conclusion immediately. Thanks to the help of a lot of people after they fired Brian Flores, because it was very clear that Brian Flores was not a Tua believer after he benched him multiple times last season, that there was plenty of smoke behind the scenes of Brian Flores not being in on Tua, wanting someone else, and that Chris Greer and really owner Stephen Ross having Tua's back and believing in him as the future of this. So the quote, once again, from rap sheet says a new coach will source says have the opportunity to evaluate every facet of the football team, including the cornerback. This is most important, but the hope is to find a candidate who believes in him and can bring the best out of him. I'll translate Stephen Ross, Chris Greer are not hiring a head coach who does not believe in Tua Tunga Bailo. That is going to, I think affect the head coaching search. I, yeah, I think that there is some Tua support. I think that he can get you, top 15 quarterback play, but I just don't see how he's going to be like a top eight difference maker type. I think that like you're hoping that he can kind of turn into like a Derek Carr type. And like, I think most likely he's going to be in that like uh, Andy Dalton type of tier. So we'll see maybe like Brian Dayball with an Alabama connection likes that, but I, I don't like anything about the dolphins right now. I didn't like how they handled Flores. Um, I don't really like how they kind of made this, this report out where they're only looking for, head coaches that want to support Chris Greer has been there forever. And like this roster is just still not very good. 
And I thought Brian Flores got them some W's that they did not deserve uh, just because of his defensive game plan. So yeah, I, I am very skeptical of what the dolphins are going to do. with that said, they have the most cap space going into the off season. They will make massive splashes along the offensive line. And I think have maybe to. even at wide receiver too. Um, and they're going to try to force it that our evaluation on two was correct. I can see their defense declining and their offense getting better so they can kind of prove it. No, Tua was the guy. Flores was the one that was crazy here. So I don't know. Doesn't sound we outlined right. it when we talked about Flores, but that defense was built in the image that he wanted it to be, you know, so much invested at the defensive back spot, mainly at cornerbacks, some at safety as well. Again, that travels, that's going to work for every single defense out there, but it specifically works with Flores when you, you know, have multiple safeties, three corners, and then you can create blitzes and pressure packages up front that give quarterbacks fits, even without like a mainstay, a number one pass rusher that you can build, you know, a defense around. Again, it's going to work with other people, but maybe just not as well, like you just outlined. And isolating another player, interested to see what they do with Mike Kosicki as a free agent too. Like, do they believe in him to pay him like one of the top tight ends in the league? He doesn't really play tight end. But then you have this dynamic that he had with Jalen Waddle this year, where at times it was really, really strong and fits with the strengths, I think, of the quarterback that they're building around in Tua. I'm going to guess he comes back, but we have offseason to, to, to figure that one out. Maybe a while. Update on Deshaun Watson and his situation. Dan Lust, who I believe is a law professor at the Great New fall, York though. School of Law. And this, I mean, flew in the radar to me. I, Sean Watson, we all know part of the storyline in what since March has been him not wanting to settle these civil cases. Um, we see this a lot with just in the world with athletes that when charges come up, they settle outside of court and they kind of mysteriously go away. Well, Dan Les points out that the Daily Beast published the terms of one of the offers. Um, I don't know if it includes a NDA or not, but this is part of the conversation where many teams, according to PFT, other than the Panthers, needed these cases to be settled in order to show legit interest and make a trade for Deshaun Watson. So now that the Dolphins, his preferred destination, are off the table, he might understand now that this has to be something that gets done in order for Deshaun Watson to move teams because he's going to have to open his horizons and open up his search and his availability to other franchises now. So do you know this offer happened right about near the trade deadline of this last NFL season? And I think that what you're saying is every team basically wants these to be settled. Um, the problem is I don't think that every, all the alleged victims want to settle and i think that's kind of where the the hang-up was last offseason i i could have seen like the dolphins pulling the trigger on and trading it if they got these ndas through but that just is not what's going to happen it sounds like we're going to get to the bottom of this um case uh in the next month and then we can go from there with suspensions and trades and all that stuff and it seems like deshaun watson wants to settle but can't get everybody to agree to it and of course there you're dealing with like 22 plus victims Obviously, some of them are going to have different stances, and that is going to be working against Deshaun Watson. But uh, this is the NFL. 
these players get second chances if you are good enough. And I will not be surprised the second that this gets uh, handed out with the civil and possible um, other legal troubles that he's going to be having, that they're going to give him a suspension, like six, eight games, something like where Big Big Ben's initial suspension was. And then somebody like the Panthers or another team is going to say, all right, and we're trading for him. I think that's probably how this is going to go for right or wrong. But it sounds like in the next month or two, there's like legal hurdles that we're actually going to get answers to. Um, and then the NFL, of course, will just go all in on them. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, there's plenty of time to talk about this. Again, always want to mention 22 women are suing Deshaun Watson for sexual misconduct. Like you said, it certainly seems like we're coming to a point of closure on on this. And then the league, the player, the alleged victims are all handling it once that time comes. And then really the floodgates open on what could potentially happen there. You were mentioning the Panthers. I did a whole tweet thread and how I'm like piecing together puzzle pieces on why I think he's going to be the number one priority this season, this offseason, because they've missed out on. Matthew Stafford and others in previous off seasons. And I mean, they have asked three people closely affiliated with Deshaun Watson to interview for their open offensive coordinator position, Bill O'Brien, Pep Hamilton, who denied them because it sounds like Pep Hamilton is just going to be the OC hire internally. Once the new head coach comes in and then Tim Kelly, who was Deshaun Watson's OC in, in 2020 as well. Yeah. I, I can see the Panthers being the desperate team, that makes a very desperate move for Deshaun Watson. So, um, yeah, I would expect big news to be coming down on the Deshaun Watson front uh, from a legal standpoint in about the next month. That's what kind of like the the next step here. Okay, just a couple more. I actually want to turn our attention to the New York Jets and Makai Becton, who missed a whole bunch of games. The season was viewed after his rookie year as one of the bright young left tackles in the league, I'll kick it over to Mike Garofolo to talk us through the situation. Mike Becton, the Jets left tackle. Boy, is he a difference maker when he is on and he is healthy, but we haven't seen that in a while. Only played one game this year, had that knee injury, was expected to miss uh, a little more than a month, and then just missed the rest of the season. And it was kind of a mysterious deal. Um, here's my understanding, and speaking to sources familiar with what happened here. He was having issues. Obviously, the knee did not come along as quickly as they had hoped. And then what happened was... Because he wasn't able to do the kind of things that he needed to do to get into rehab and get back in shape, he put on weight. Weight has been an issue with Becton. We knew that coming into the draft. We knew that coming into his NFL career. So this is something where he's going to have to continue to rehab that knee. He's going to have to get back in shape. The Jets are hopeful that he will be back in shape, ready to go physically and mentally for the start of OTAs. But we'll see how that goes. Okay. The emphasis on hopeful stood out to me because if he does not show up in shape, who he might be pushing 379, 390 at this point, um, then the Jets just had George Fant play really well. Morgan Moses play really well. Some other offensive linemen play, play really well for, for them. Again, this seemed like a cornerstone piece for their offensive line for the future that's very, very young offensive nucleus. But reading between the lines there, it sounds like there's a lot of concern, suspicion of like why he wasn't able to get on the field this season. And again, if that carries over into 2022, the Jets might make it someone else's situation to deal with. 
It seems like you could have re- replaced Makai Becton's name and just put Hayden Winks there, and it'd be the same report where the weight <laughs> is fluctuating. We'll see if he's mentally prepared for OTAs and all that stuff. Yeah, I, I can relate to Makai Becton, but I also am not paid uh, $25 million to be in shape. So, yeah, we'll see. It sounds like there there was a couple of rumbles like a month ago oh, yeah. about this, and like this went like national reporters. So there's got to be something up. Um, he obviously has all the talent in the world. The Jets are probably going to try to make this happen, but we've seen crazier things happen with, with first-round picks. Let's close out with Jalen Hurts because even today, just recently – General manager Howie Roseman went on stage and called Jalen Hurts his starting quarterback heading into the 2022 offseason. One final time, kick it on over to Ian Rappaport. It feels like the rest of the league kind of knows that the Eagles are going in this direction. I did some reporting on this on Sunday as well. Uh, Jalen Hurts has done enough in the minds of Philadelphia Eagles. Brass, you heard Howie Roseman be very clear today. Yes. Uh, that Jalen Hurts is going to be their starter going into the offseason. And, you know, there's going to be a lot of talk about veteran quarterbacks available from Deshaun Watson and maybe Russell Wilson and maybe Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, certainly there's there's going to be some others as well. Jimmy Garoppolo, maybe Derek Carr, a lot of them. I don't expect the Eagles to be in the mix for them. Now, will they always look at potentially upgrading if someone says, like, hey, I want to join the Eagles? Obviously, they would. Howie Roseman always looks into it. But this feels to me sincere and real that they are moving forward with Jalen Hurts as their quarterback. There's two options here, Andrew. They can use all that capital to trade for a quarterback, or they could use all that to make their quarterback better. Mm-hmm. I think option two is the one. Noteworthy. And it's noteworthy because Harry Roseman was the one who drafted Jalen Hurts. That was the COVID draft. I think reports came out afterwards that the staff, in terms of personnel and his scouts were shocked that Jalen Hurts was their selection in round two of that year because coming off injury, they were, as a team, thinking of building more and more and more around Carson Wentz. So to me, of course, Harry Roseman is going to say this because it sounds like Harry Roseman is the number one fan of Jalen Hurts in that building. He's got a lot of big fans in the building, including all of his teammates. So I think this is like yep. going back to the personality thing. You can't trade Jalen Hurts unless you're getting literally like one of the elite quarterbacks because everyone loves this dude and you'd be losing your locker room uh, per se. If you didn't do this, I, I think that the best way to handle this, if I was the Eagles, this is how I would do it. You got three first round picks. You're trading one of them for a 2023 first round pick. If you can do it, because we're going to hedge a little bit. We're going to get Jalen hurts, another elite wide receiver. We're going to get um, an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman. These, the Eagles defense is pretty old. So maybe we go find uh, a, somebody in the secondary and then we're hedging that way. If Jalen hurts flops next year, then you have enough capital to go find uh, one of the elite quarterbacks. It's supposed to be a better quarterback class the following season. So I'm on team hedge here. Usually don't like hedging, but I think this is the appropriate time. See if Jalen Hurts can take another leap. If not, you got some studs uh, for the next quarterback to work with. And you deal Jalen Rager for a six-round selection, right? Like that's all part of the, the, the off-season project here. Yeah. As we talked about wrapping up, the Eagles season after they lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, how Nick Sirianni opened this season where they're the sixth highest in neutral pass rate, at least to me that pinpointed like what he in an ideal world wants his offense to be. And granted they shifted, they switched, they went behind their best personnel and focus on the ground game, especially with their quarterback but maybe the general manager is forcing Nick Sirianni's hand here 
just just a little bit. And that might not be what Sirianni wants in the long term. But again, unless they are active in one of these much bigger names, when you already have Gardner Minshew on your roster, unless they trade him too this this offseason, that might be the pivot play if things don't go according to plan in 2022. Yeah, I think Hurts has enough of a ceiling to give him one more year. Okay. All right. That's going to do it. I was excited for the show. We went an hour on the news, in our opinion, that will shape the NFL offseason. I'm sure we'll get even more of these nuggets in the next few weeks, especially when head coaches, general managers, franchises change. Because, and I always say it, teams are most honest with their wallets. It's who they hire. It's in free agency. And it's during the NFL draft. They, those are like the only times they cannot lie to you. And they show you what they want to be. All right, everyone. Appreciate you joining us. If you are new here, if you check us out for the first time, like and subscribe down below. It always helps us out. Go check out Wob's content for NBA. Go check out Tyler's content, the True Weather Show, on his own channel for just more Tyler. There's no better way to say it. Just more Tyler. It's, it's, it's been a really good show after, uh, after three days. Podcast feed, we love you as well. Chat, we love you. All right. Up the bell, everyone. Talk to y'all soon. See ya. <laughs>